The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, but they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower, Jesus said to his disciples later. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares for the word. But the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you all to be seated. So, when I was a little younger... And I used to hear things more literally. I heard Jesus say, and this is, this is the, the verse that stuck out to me, let the one with ears listen. And I remember thinking to myself, ears, doesn't everybody have ears? You know, in, in some sense, you know, that's important because this is a word for everybody. As I got a little bit older and I stopped hearing things quite so literally, and I, and I started listening to what these words kind of meant, I came to realize something a little bit different about this instruction, let the one who has ears listen. You know, there, there are some people who, who just know how to speak your language and, and who you can hear in your heart. You know, I, I remember the, the first time that I made a really close friend who really understood the things that were important to me. You know, and we shared interests and we shared dreams and we shared all the all the things that, that young friends share, and I remember just how nice it was to have somebody who understood me. You know, and, and this was even more special for me because as a, as a kid, I was awkward, and I talked a lot, and I was hyper. I know that's so hard to imagine, but, you know, I, 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 was, I was just, I had trouble making friends with people my own age, and so to have a friend who was my own age was just something that was really important to me. You know, as I remember as I started dating and we all started to, to figure out, you know, who are the people who we like and we want to go out with and all this stuff. You know, there were, there were those people who you would go out on a date with and it just didn't work. Not because, you know, y'all weren't good people, because, but because, you know, you, you get out on the date and you realize you speak different languages. I, I remember what it was like when I met my wife and we had our first date and we... We went to what was at the time on State Street Courtyard Coffee House, and we, we played rummy and talked for six hours together. And it was the best night of my life. And what made it so amazing was that 
She, she had ears for what I had to say. She was interested in who I was. She was, she was interested in hearing things that I was interested in. She, she shared some of my values, and I was really curious to hear more about her. And over the years, we've learned to speak each other's language more and more, and there's nothing in our lives that we desire maybe more than to find just one person who gets us and who can hear our voice and who cares about who we are and where we come from and, and what's really going on and one person who we can understand. You know, that, that kind of relationship is once maybe just a couple times in a lifetime and they're so special and holy because I think we spend a lot of our time feeling like so many people miss us. You know, one of the things that that we hear in our, in our worship service as we read the, read the scriptures, as we pray, as we do all these things, is that God is a God who speaks our language. God is the God who hears and understands and, and cares about the language of our hearts. And God is a God who spends time trying to communicate to us in a language that we can understand. You know, using symbols like water when we baptize people. Through water and spirit, we hear for the first time the good news that we are a part of God's family. We are a part of a people in whom we will find our place because God cares and God hears and God listens and God speaks our language. God sees those parts of us that are faithful and holy and loves them. And God sees those parts of us that are broken and dead and dying and lonely and doubtful and loves those parts too. And we hear through the waters of baptism, through the bread and the wine of communion that nourish and sustain us, through the prayers of the people in which we pray for those people who need it, through the things that this congregation does for the community, like a soup kitchen and food pantry, for the things that we each do in our community, whether we're at work, whether we're at school, whether we're retired or whether we're young, is that the word of God speaks through us in a language that the people around us can hear. And we represent that love of God that is spoken with human tongues and hands and feet so that the community and the world can hear this language. You know, let the one who has ears listen is a word that isn't just a passing word, but it's something that I think is at the core of what the gospel is really about, that there are going to be some people that no matter what you say, no matter how hard you try to say it, no matter how many different ways you say it, they're just never going to hear it. And we've all been in those places where we want so much to understand somebody and we'll just never get them. You know, so, so Jesus communicates in parables, kind of, kind of riddles. Not because Jesus is necessarily trying to hide anything, But because Jesus knows that the people who have the ears for what he's saying, the people who have the hearts that God has prepared, the people who are ready to hear this good news of the kingdom that is here and among us, the kingdom of God that is in and around us, they will be able to hear what it is Jesus is saying. And for those of us who preach, we know that sometimes we all kind of drop a bomb and preach a bad sermon and Sometimes when I preach what I think is probably the worst sermon of my career, I'll have people walk up to me and say, Pastor, what you said today was exactly what I needed to hear. And I'll think to myself, I don't know how that happened. It must have been the Holy Spirit. Because I don't think I said anything that was really worthwhile today. You know, we we all have those experiences where sometimes in spite of ourselves, God speaks to the people around us. 
Now, another thing that I heard differently when I was a kid, when I used to listen more literally to, to what things meant, was, you know, and this, this, the sower scatters seed, and some of it falls on the hard soil where it can't grow, and some of it falls on the rocky soil where it can't grow roots, and the sun comes out and burns it up, and it withers away. And some of it fell on good soil where it plants deep roots, and it's able to sprout, And remember, I'm from Irmo, which means that I don't know actually anything about farming. What I learned from farming, I learned in the Bible and at St. John's where I served as a pastor, where there are real farmers. But according to the Bible, it says that it it grows a hundredfold or sixtyfold or thirtyfold. And I'm guessing that a hundredfold is probably a lot compared to what most plants put out. So, you know, when, when God's word falls on good soil, it does amazing, miraculous things. And so I heard this literally and I said, all right, so that means that some people are those people over there that, that are hard-hearted and that are, are just the bad people. And you know those people, you know, those people from, from other places like Saluda or, you know, it, depending on where you're from depends on where those people are, you know, or those people who believe differently or those people who don't look like we do or whatever. And we all have those people and we all have our different hang-ups and those are the hard-hearted people who are obviously evil. Right? And then there are those people who are kind of troubled. And we all know these people too. You know, they're people who really have kind of good intentions, but it always ends up going kind of sideways, right? And, and they try really hard, but it never seems to work out. And then there are those good people. We call them Lutherans. And, and they're the good soil. And the gospel is spread and scattered, and it grows and takes root and, and spreads a hundredfold and sixtyfold and thirtyfold. And, you know, I, I was just convinced that some people are bad and some people are kind of okay and some people are amazing. And then as I got older, I, I began to hear with those different ears that, that weren't quite so literal. And I started to kind of figure out that in life, when, when we say this confession that we say every week, we confess that we're in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we've done and by what we've left undone. We've not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And one of the things that always caught me during that confession was we don't love our neighbors as ourselves. And the word that caught me was ourselves because I remember what Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, sometimes I have an awfully hard time loving myself very well. You know, maybe, maybe this is why we have trouble getting along, because we do love each other like we love ourselves, and we're bad at it. You know, and it's just, it's true though, isn't it? I, I can be my own worst critic, and I can, I can be my own worst enemy. You know, last week we had that, that reading from Paul where Paul says, the good thing that I want to do, I don't do, but the thing that I don't want to do, that's what I do. And, and isn't that what the confession is really about? Those, those known and, unknown, and unknown things that we do, that we say, that we think, that we act upon or don't act upon, that break community, that lead us to feel isolated, that lead us into those shame spirals, that lead us into those those loops that tell us what jerks we kind of are because we, we know what we're thinking and if anyone heard what I thought, they couldn't possibly love me, right? You know, we, I realized that, you know, in me is that hard soil, those places where I am stubborn and I am willful and God might be God, but I'm me and don't I know what's good for me? You know, those places where nothing can take root because I'm in the way of it. And, and there are those places that are rocky, that, that respond and, and just want so much to be faithful. But when it gets hard, I give up and I give out and I, and I lose out. 
I have that in me too. And I also have that part in me that is faithful in which the word of God takes root and leads me into deeper relationship with God and leads me into deeper relationship with people around me and leads me to be able to do good ministry where I can hear people and do good things. And those places that we can, those are the things that we like to talk about. We don't so much like to talk about the places where we fail. But, you know, I realize that I am all three of these soils. I have them all within me. And every one of them is a part of who I am. And for a long time, this caused me to struggle. I, uh, as between services, when I was walking back to change, I was walking at the, the wall of suspects, your old pastors, and I saw on there Leroy Trexler, who was pastor at St. John's in Hollywood, Florida, back in the early 1980s. I know this because I was a member of St. John's in Hollywood, Florida in the early 1980s. We moved here when I was six in 1983. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, one of those good soil moments. I was five years old, and Pastor Trexler was up there celebrating communion and doing the intoning and lifting up the wafer and the, and the cup, and just something in my heart sprouted and said I could see myself doing that one day. You know, that was, that was one of those good soil moments, right? And then... And then there were moments like my, my teenage years and young adult years, or, you know, we, we don't even have to go that far. I remember I was talking about being a rambunctious kid. You know, I, in school I had trouble because I could never sit still. I am such an extrovert that if you were to leave me in a room by myself, I probably still wouldn't stop talking because I'd be talking to the wall over there. You know, there, so any place where I have to go where I have to sit still and listen and read and be quiet is probably not the place where you're going to see me at my happiest. And when I was a kid and I didn't have the self-control that I have as an adult, it was also the place that you'd probably see me being sent out from to either the principal's office or the pastor's office or whoever happened to be in charge at the time. And this made mom very fretful, by the way. She, she was wondering whether I'd ever be able to do anything with my life because I got kicked out of everywhere. But, you know, sometimes the good soil isn't in us. Sometimes the good soil is in the, in the people we encounter. And... Someone who had good soil for me was Pastor Bill Iwan. Bill was a pastor who, when I was a kid and sitting in his office most Sundays after I had either asked a question this teacher didn't want to answer or I had talked for the 15th time, he wouldn't see me as that annoying kid who ended up in his office again. Well, maybe he did, but he didn't act like it. He treated me like a person. He treated me like I was someone with value, someone with worth. He treated me like I was a person who mattered. And... To a kid who was always awkward around the people in his, in his grade, and to a kid who most of the time adults tolerated because adults have to tolerate you, you know, that means something when you find somebody who's willing to care about you, who's willing to invest themselves in you, who's willing to give you their time. You know, it means somebody, something when, when somebody cares about you, not because of what you can do for them, but because of who you are, you matter. And... I remember the seed that planted in me. You know, it's, it's not rocket science when we think about this, this parable to, to realize that those things within us that are either hard or rocky or fertile are things that we all share. They're, they're things that we all experience in our lives. And, and all of these things are ways that we as the church are called to live in community 
so that we can be speaking the language of the people whose language we speak and listening to people who can speak the language of the people we can't speak so that we can figure out what it means to be the church together so we can figure out what it means to be God's people together for the world in need. You know, that's, that's the other thing about, about the, the sower of the seed is the sower didn't care where the seed went. And I'm not a farmer, as I said, but I'm willing to bet that most farmers don't consider it a good practice to just sow seed everywhere. You know, in fact, I, I learned that now they operate tractors by GPS and, and they can actually plant seeds closer together in rows that have now been tilled closer together and very precisely. So, you know, they go to great lengths at farms now to, to make sure that they don't just scatter seed everywhere, but we worship a God who is not concerned with scarcity, who is not concerned with running out, who is not concerned with the resources that we concern ourselves with because the resource that God gives us is love. The resource that God gives us is welcome. The resource that God gives us is a family to which we belong through the waters of baptism in which we hear the good news that we are God's children. And as the children of God, we watch what our Father does, scattering the seed everywhere, where people want to hear the word, where people don't want to hear the word, where people want something to do with God, where they don't, where those bad people live and where those good people live. And we see that seed taking root in the most unexpected places. And as God's children and heirs of God's kingdom, we have a responsibility in our household to follow the example of our Father and scatter seed as recklessly as our Father does, to share the love and the welcome and the new life that we receive through Jesus Christ with everybody we meet, even if they're people in our family and they're not acting very lovable. We sow the seed of love. Even if there are those people over there, there are people who God loves, so we learn to love them. So what do we do with this? this? This news that we're a part of a family that calls us out into the world to be the good soil for a world that needs so desperately to hear that there is a God who loves it because the narrative that we hear is how terrible and awful and rotten the world is. What do we do with this? There, there are a couple things that I think we can do. One of them is that we can, we can think about those places in our lives where, where our soil is hard, where we won't listen, where we're stubborn, where we're fickle and we change our mind all the time, and it's that rocky soil that doesn't take root. And we can begin to pray for those places that God might till that soil. We can think about those people in our lives who, who frustrate us, who don't act very lovable, who might scare us because of their, their differences in whatever way they're different, because they might frustrate us because they're from a place where we don't want them to be from, and recognize that God calls us to love them too, and we can pray that God will till the, the soil of our hearts so that we can learn to sow God's seed of love in those people too. I think the second thing that we can do is we can look in our community you know, as, as nice as it is to be in this place with air conditioning, and in South Carolina in the summer, thank God for air conditioning, you know, there, there are people outside of this building in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our, in our homes, in our lives that we run into who need to know the thing that we hear here 
which is that the God who loves us and welcomes us through the waters of baptism has a place and a plan and love for them too. Where is it in your neighborhood, in your lives, that God is calling you to scatter seed? Who is it that God is calling you to be the sower for in your lives, in your congregation, in this county, in this synod, as the ELCA, as a part of the United States? Who is it that God is calling us to share that reckless love with so that hope might spring in them too? The seed that God has sown in our hearts is such a gift. How can we do anything but share it? Amen.